0: This is the Carlin vs. Joe podcast on ESPN Radio.
1: Uh, we start the show with breaking news as the Washington Commanders finally have a head coach. It's Carlin versus Joe, ESPN Radio, Sirius XM Channel 80, presented by Progressive Insurance. I am Chris Carlin. He is Joe Fortenbaugh. This is Thursday, about nine days out from the Super Bowl. Joseph, how goes the battle?
2: Outstanding. Got the eyebrows waxed today, specifically for this show. I am ready to rock and roll. It's a, it's an aerodynamic Joe Fortenball. Are you serious that you got your eyebrows waxed? What a part what about that sounds sounds like humor to you.
1: Why would you not have just trimmed them up just a little bit with one of those little Things that you, you know, one of those little uh, hair trimmers that you could get as opposed to getting them waxed and going through an unnecessary amount of pain.
2: What is your um, genetic background, your nationality, if I may ask? Irish, 100%. Irish, okay, yeah. Um, I have uh, some good old-fashioned Syrian blood in me. Yep. So the eyebrows are not under control. And shout out to all my fellow Syrians out there. You Mm -hmm. know what I'm talking about.
1: Okay, so
2: you feel the need? You got to bring go in the professionals. You got to bring okay. in the professionals.
1: <laughs> Just how often do you have to get them waxed? Every four weeks. Holy crap!
2: <laughs> I don't. <laughs> I, I, I wouldn't say I have to. I've gone a long portion of my life without doing it, but appearing on TV, your boy wants to look cleaned up every now and again.
1: No, I understand that. I I get that. I did TV for a while too. As hard as that might be to believe, but never got the eyebrows waxed. Never got them waxed. Always got them trimmed. Never got them waxed. start.
2: I think we know what we're going to do together when you're in
0: town next week.
1: I can't wait. Let's get to it.
0: Garland versus Joe. Breaking news.
1: Commanders hiring Cowboys defensive coordinator Dan Quinn to be their head coach, that per Adam Schefter. So it's Quinn and their GM Adam Peters who came over from San Francisco. They will lead Washington into the future. And Joe, for it to take 24 days... For the Washington Commanders to find their head coach after they knew for, I would say, easily a month and a half before the end of the season, if not more, that they were firing Ron Rivera. For this to be the end result, I would term it uninspired.
2: Do you feel that Quinn wowed them, or do you feel that this may have been more of a we-really-wanted-Ben-Johnson-and-he-bailed-at-the-last-minute sort of situation? This would absolutely think make me think that Ben Johnson
1: was the guy that they had been thinking about all along. Whatever went wrong, something went wrong, but I fully believe they had their hearts set on him because they have the number two pick in the draft and they are going to be charged with developing a quarterback. And when I think Dan Quinn. I think that's not what is going to
2: come to mind at the beginning. No, no, it is not. If yeah. you even think for one second in Washington that you can celebrate or sit back and enjoy this hire for even a minute, you got another thing coming. You need to get to work as aggressively bringing in an offensive coordinator as you did bringing in a head coach. Because Dan Quinn historically has struggled with offenses in non-Kyle Shanahan years. You go back to his, we'll call it six years on the job in Atlanta. Six years on the job. He was fired after an 0-5 start in 2020. First two seasons on the job, Kyle Shanahan was his offensive coordinator. In those two seasons, the Atlanta Falcons went 19-13. and 13. They scored 27.6 points per game. They went to a Super Bowl. And Matt Ryan won the league's MVP award. In the three-plus seasons without Kyle Shanahan as the head coach, the Atlanta Falcons went 24-29 and and averaged 24 points per game. So we saw more than a field goal dip in offensive production. They were the number one offense in the league by virtually every metric that Super Bowl season when Shanahan had one year under his belt with the organization and entered year two with Dan Quinn. And by the way, if you think it's not Shanahan, in 2016 – the Niners ranked 26th in scoring. When Shanahan came in and took over, they jumped to 19th immediately, and mm-hmm. they had none of that personnel you see right now that's so talented. So it doesn't mean Quinn can't be a solid head coach. I'm not trying to rain on the higher. I'm just letting you know his best years in Atlanta came when Kyle Shanahan was calling the offense.
1: Yeah, and it's completely fair, and you need... I mean, Ryan won the MVP for Pete's sake. Matt Ryan won an MVP with Kyle Shanahan as his offensive coordinator. Matt Ryan was a nice player for most of his career, but I think we'd all agree that Matt Ryan doesn't exactly come to mind when you think about the top five quarterbacks in the game, year in and year out, during his era. So Shanahan had a ton to do with that. Here's my problem, too, though, Joe. The time frame that this took. The fact that it took well over three and a half weeks, or or just about three and a half weeks, from when you fired Rivera to now to settle here, when every other coach has been hired, there have been guys that have been fired and hired since then, you know, like that got fired after uh, changes that were made after Carolina's has already fired challenge.
2: three head coaches yeah.
1: since this process started. <laughs> exactly. And I guess my issue there is, all right, so you've got this guy, but who's dealing with the quarterback? Like, all of the good offensive coordinators might already be gone. We have seen other coaches that get hired late in a cycle have a lot of trouble finding good quality guys. And then they try and go and poach guys from somewhere else, and those teams aren't in a hurry to let people go. It's, it's absolutely silly to me that when you are specifically in the position that Washington is in, that now you put yourself even further behind the eight ball. Let me simplify it. This is how you end up with Brian Schottenheimer as your offensive
2: coordinator. And that's not what you want. Well, let me me throw this in there. It's not as if Quinn just found out this last week that he was a candidate for a head coaching job. He was linked to the Seattle opening a couple weeks ago. Mm -hmm. So he's probably not only been preparing for the opportunity to be a head coach for the second time in his career, but he's also likely been talking to individuals around the league who he would hire to his staff. So Mm -hmm. is it possible that he's already got the offensive coordinator situation figured out because he's been talking to someone for a few weeks?
1: Sure. It's also possible that there were a few other guys that he was planning on making the offensive coordinator that have already gotten other jobs and they can't sit around and wait to see what happens with Dan Quinn. I mean, that just makes all, all the sense of the world to me. When you put yourself in this situation like the Falcons, or like the commanders did, you are asking for trouble. And so when you bring Quinn in here, you you laid out the numbers brilliantly. You want... Thank you. To, I to appreciate have, that. Absolutely. You <laughs> want to have your entire situation in place, and that doesn't feel like that's the case. I don't think Dan Quinn is a bad head coach, okay? He did pretty well. He got a team to a Super Bowl. Yes, they should have won the game, if not for a faulty strategy. And I also think that if we're going to knock Quinn for what happened uh, in the game against the Packers a few weeks back, we have to realize that he also had the Cowboys in the top six in scoring defense for all the years that he was there. I mean, he's he's an excellent defensive coach. But I'm having trouble believing that Quinn now is going to vault them closer to the top of
2: the NFC East. And that's not a great division right now. So let's flip it. Let's flip yeah. it for a moment. We have seen coaches who had decent slash perhaps less than inspiring runs their first time as a head coach in the NFL. I mean, like Pete Carroll, Bill Belichick, these are the obvious ones that come to mind. Guys who the second time through ended up having remarkable success. As we try to pivot here and look at it from the other perspective, is it possible Quinn had that experience in Atlanta, learned a lot from it, went to Dallas, has been the defensive coordinator down there for years, has done well in that role, has been preparing for a second opportunity, and maybe just maybe walking into one of the most favorable situations in the NFL. I mean, let's not kid ourselves here. You're sitting on a high draft pick. You're sitting on more salary cap space than anybody. There's a lot to like about this gig. Perhaps maybe he thrives.
1: But isn't that the issue? Like this was, you could argue, one of the most – sought-after jobs, or at least one of the jobs where you feel like you had a really good chance to be successful right away, and this is where we end up, you're the last ones to finally end up with a date to the dance. Like,
2: what am I missing there? I I think what ended up happening is that they put all their eggs in the Ben Johnson basket. Detroit went deep into the playoffs. Detroit now gets eliminated from the playoffs just a handful of days ago. Johnson is available. The opportunity has presented itself now to close the deal. You were unable to close the deal. He chose to stay, and now you need to panic because your top candidate – wasn't able to tell you no until too late in the process. For example, if you wanted Raheem Morris, that could have been done in the last few weeks. These mm-hmm. other guys out there were available. The guy you just happened to target didn't become officially available until all the way at the end of the cycle. And then he decided to say no and back out. For, for a guy like you that's about process, this process
1: for Washington sucked. Sucked if this is where you end up at the end of it.
2: Is it possible they had a great deal on the table? They thought it was all all locked down and then Johnson just got cold feet and that ended up leaving them holding the bag? It could be that. Like, maybe they had this all figured out and they look like geniuses and then Johnson got cold feet and now, you know, Washington's Washington.
1: Everybody's got to have a plan B and a plan C and if this was plan B or C, I just feel like it's disappointing for Washington. He may do an okay job. It's not a terrible hire, But it makes me worry about all of the other ancillary issues that very quickly become Primary issues around your organization. It's Carlin versus Joe, ESPN radio series 6M, channel 80, presented by progressive insurance. Drivers who switch and save with progressive save nearly $750 on average. Call or click today and find out if we could save you hundreds on your car insurance. Then there's the impact that this had on the Cowboys in the division. Was this actually one of the more Positive developments for Washington in trying to catch these other teams and taking away one of their strengths. And also, one Cowboy doesn't sound like he's terribly disappointed to see Dan Quinn go. You'll hear from him in moments. Carlin versus Joe, ESPN Radio and on the TuneIn app.
0: This is the Carlin versus Joe podcast on ESPN Radio. Adam Schefter has just put
2: out there that the Washington Commanders are hiring Dan Quinn. Dan Quinn on
3: balance did an outstanding job as the Cowboys defensive coordinator. Over the last three years, they ranked seventh, fifth, and fifth in scoring defense. The most sacks, the most takeaways. The unit improved a lot when he got there and sustained a high level of play over the course of a long period of time. That's the
4: negative is Dan Quinn. This hiring being so late, what kind of offensive stats is going to put together? Can they hit on the quarterback? I got my questions.
1: And they're valid, but one thing you cannot deny is that Dan Quinn being hired by a team in the division certainly weakens the Dallas Cowboys because as much, Joe, as we want to put the blame on Dan Quinn's defense a few weeks back uh, for what happened against the Packers, we also have to give his defense some credit for the fact that the Cowboys won as many games as they did over the last several years. So when you lose your defensive coordinator who had that high a level of a impact on your team, uh, that certainly is something that will help the team hiring them. at the very least, you have weakened your opponent in the process.
2: And you've gained insight into how they go about their business, how their head coach schemes things up. When they get together twice next season, Quinn's going to be very, very aware of how McCarthy's going to want to deploy both his offense and defense, and from there, he might be able to counter-strategize that. Like, that's something that's been an old handicapping technique for years, watching assistants leave staffs, go elsewhere, and then have a crack at that team the following year. I remember there was a great one when I think it was Rivera. Ron Rivera had been on the staff in San Diego with the Chargers Mm -hmm. and then went to Carolina and then came back. He tended to have a lot of success against his former team. For the vacancy, again, Quinn's been rumored to be in contention for a head coaching job for a few weeks. So you got to figure Dallas has been planning for this. I don't know if the hire is as simple as coming from someone beneath Quinn on the staff last year or if they have to go outside the box to figure it out. I agree with what Hembo was saying when we were coming back from break and Quinn's done a nice job. He's done a nice job. It's not like he's done an elite job. All right, They they did go to San Francisco, and the Niners hung 42 on them. In Philly, the Eagles hung 28 on them. In that huge game against the Bills, they gave up 31 points. They had no answers for anything, and then they got to the playoffs, and they gave up 48 to Green Bay. A lot of their scoring average this year is padded because they played the Giants twice, they played the Jets without Rodgers, they played the Patriots, they played the Panthers, the Commanders twice, It wasn't exactly a murder year, though.
1: We're talking about three years where they were at the top seven in scoring defense.
2: Yeah, and we can go back through those years as well and find big games where they gave up lots of points. I mean, Gardner Minshew and the Eagles went to Dallas last year and had no problem hanging 30-plus on them, right? I mean, they've they've padded their stats – in certain games, and then in the big ones where you've expected more from them, they haven't really come through. I will give them credit in the divisional round of last year's playoffs. They did limit Brock Purdy in that Niner offense in Santa Clara. They did a good job there.
1: Now, there is one guy who I think, if you listen to these comments, tends to agree with you a little bit. We have not heard from Micah Parsons since that debacle in Dallas a few weeks back. Okay, Here he is finally talking on his podcast, The Edge, with Micah Parsons regarding the that game, what happened, and the coaches involved in his particular deployment. I can only play what it's called. Whatever they're calling, whatever personnel they're putting on, I'm
4: not putting out personnel. I'm not putting out uh, the calls. They're, nothing's coming from me. So you could put that and sh- put that wherever you want to be or wherever you want to put it, but they're not coming from me. The packages is in. I've even told – Multiple players, coaches that I'm very fine playing linebacker in playoffs, if that's what y'all want me to do, I just want to win.
1: Yeah, listen, nobody's going to argue that the Cowboys are much better served when Micah Parsons is rushing the quarterback, Joe, Uh, but that is a pretty clear throw everybody else under the bus, not my fault.
2: Well, that was one of the key talking points coming off that loss against Green Bay because the broadcast crew did an excellent job of pointing out In a key third down situation early in the game, it was that first possession where Green Bay had no problem marching down the field, taking seven and a half minutes off the clock and finishing the drive with a touchdown. They had a crucial third down where you'd figure this is going to be Micah Parsons pinning his ears back. I think it was third and eight, third and nine, going after Jordan Love, the young quarterback, making his first road playoff start, first playoff start in general. And Parsons dropped in the coverage and Love had plenty of time. And he found a wide-open receiver down the field for like a 20-yard game. They extended the drive. They went on to score a touchdown. It just didn't make any sense. I'm sure Quinn is a good reason for it. I'm sure maybe we're fixating and 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 exaggerating and embellishing based on one play. But to hear him come out and talk about it, he clearly knows what people like us have been talking about, which is why is your top pass rusher dropping in the coverage when no one's getting after the opposing quarterback from start to finish that game? Listen, It's problematic what happened in that game,
1: and Dan Quinn played a big role in it. But I do think everybody played a role in it. It's not just Dan Quinn's fault that Micah Parsons was MIA in the game. I mean, Micah Parsons did not make plays in that game that would have made a difference. Nobody did on the defensive side. So I'm curious about Parsons now moving forward because you have Jerry saying the Cowboys are going all in. Whatever the hell that means. I mean, I don't I, I still am trying to parse those words because I can't figure out what they have been if they haven't been all in all along here. So now Micah has the following to say regarding what the Cowboys might be doing in going all in and what he wants them to do.
4: I do see a lot of people overreacting. You know, a lot of blame goes on to Dak Prescott because he is a quarterback and people look at his playoff wins, but we gave up over 40 plus points. What do you expect Dak Prescott to be? Do you expect him to be Superman? He cannot win games by himself. I've always said football is not a game of one man. It's a game of 22 men that go on the field and you need to rely on every 22 guys to win that game. It's not relied on one individual, two individuals. It's a team that can play together as a group the best collectively, not give up big plays and not cost their team first downs and things like that. So I do not put down Dak Prescott. He is a all-pro. He has played a terrific game. Coulda, woulda, shoulda been an MVP. Sitting here, you know, they're talking about we're going all-in this year, man. That's what I would hope for. You know, I'm 24 years old. I've been in this league three years, and I kind of seen it all. And uh, I hope that we go all in. I hope that we go out and get the players that we're missing because we didn't do that this year. You know, I hope that we challenge ourselves, become better, and become greater for us.
1: Well, first of all, you've been in the league three years. You haven't seen everything. You haven't played for the Jets yet. Okay, <laughs> you haven't seen everything. Let's be real. But secondly, Mike is part of that. You want them to go all in. What does it mean? It means we're going to go out, we're going to get the players that we need because we didn't do that this season. Okay. Guess who's going to have to be flexible financially to do that? Micah Parsons. How flexible do you expect Micah Parsons to be? I would say less than zero in terms of flexibility because he's got three years in now, Joe, and it's time to talk extension. And when you get the extension, it can start to help things be – Uh, a little bit more manageable, but that's when it's Dak Prescott, not when you're still on your rookie contract – like Micah Parsons.
2: Prescott's got a cap name, number close to 60 million. That's not a good spot to be. You need him to restructure that to give you flexibility to spend money elsewhere. The problem is the Cowboys have no leverage in that situation. Prescott has him over a barrel. Not only is Micah Parsons coming up for a deal that's going to be more than what Nick Bosa just got in San Francisco, and that is a monster deal, CD Lamb has an additional year on Parsons in the league. He's coming up for a new contract. Receivers routinely are going, number one, ride receivers, routinely are going for more than $20 million a year now. You can't have Prescott at $60 million, CeeDee Lamb at over $20 million, and then Micah Parsons coming in at over $20 million. That's $100 million on three players. You're not going to compete. The most important thing to take away from here, because we keep hearing this phrase, all in, the Cowboys are all in. The Cowboys are not all in. The Cowboys are all talk. They always have been. They always will be. All talk. The owner talks every week, and it's fantastic for business, but it's not fantastic for winning. The players and their families are always talking about Dak Prescott. It's all talk, not all in. If there's going to be a motto for this season for the Cowboys, let's be honest about it. Dallas Cowboys, 2024, all talk. Yeah,
1: and when we're talking about their best players – being all talk, that's even worse.
2: You don't need Micah Parsons adding to it. Well, Parsons is awesome. I love Parsons. I'm a Penn State guy. He's a Penn State guy. Great player. He's Great just on player. a team that's just, you know, the, the team is problematic. He is not the problem.
1: No, no. Great player, but all that talk, he's part of it. Everybody's part of it, with the exception of maybe Dak Prescott. Everybody's part of it, and it doesn't help when the owner is setting the tone for that, Honestly. Go away until I have to take you people seriously. There's really no need. There's no need. You said it again, middle of the year this year. Why do we pay attention to the Cowboys at all before it matters? Because we know what the ending is going to be. They have the same ending each and every season. They run their mouths, and they come up empty. That's Dallas Cowboys football. That's it. Carla versus Joe, ESPN Radio, Sirius XM, Channel 80. We have got so much more to get into regarding the NFL draft. We talked about that number two pick, and now Dan Campbell, or rather Dan Campbell, Dan Quinn, has his uh, head coaching job in Washington. So what now happens with who's going to be the coordinator there and how they evaluate their quarterbacks? And could the Cowboys... Actually be thinking about drafting Dax replacement. It's all on the way. Our guy joins us next on ESPN Radio.
0: This is the Carlin versus Joe podcast on ESPN Radio. We all know breakfast is an important
2: part of your day. But sometimes when you're traveling for business, you end up staying at a hotel that doesn't offer any.
0: The 2024 NFL Draft on ESPN Radio. Are you ready? Live from the heart of downtown Detroit, Michigan. The Detroit
4: Lions select.
0: It all begins with round one, Thursday, April 25th.
4: The NFL
2: Draft is now officially open.
0: The countdown rolls on. The 2024 NFL Draft on ESPN Radio, ESPN, and on ABC.
1: And you know what that means. We've got them each and every week at this time. He is the great Mel Kuyper, Jr., who joins us, ESPN's NFL draft analyst and, of course, host of the first draft podcast, Ari and Mel, on the weekend as well. Mel, Chris and Joe, we got Dan Quinn in Washington now as the head coach of the commander. So next, obviously, is his staff, but also... They have to get a quarterback, and it's pretty clear it's not going to be Sam Howell. They have the number two pick overall. Who would you expect them to take at the number two pick?
3: Well, great to be with you guys. I think it's going to be interesting to see do they aggressively try to go up to one? I mean, if, if Chicago is going to stay with Justin Fields and had picks available, do they want to get the local kid? They played here at Gonzaga, okay, and a local product. You bring him in. Do you want to move up that one spot? If you feel there's a significant difference between Caleb Williams and the number two quarterback, if you don't feel there's any difference whatsoever, then you take who you believe is the second best quarterback or right there with Caleb, and whether it's Jaden Daniels or whether it's Drake May, one of those two. So they're going to be getting a quarterback. It's going to be interesting to see whether, like I say, they are aggressively try to go up from two to one what Chicago does obviously impacts that decision but then do they take Daniels or do they take May Uh, nobody knows right now who it's going to be I had Daniels going there in Mach 1.0 but that's a decision they are going to have to make in conjunction with whoever their coordinator is and that's going to be interesting to see as well who does Dan Quinn bring in to run this offense
2: let's drill down on that number two pick for a second you like Daniels over May to that spot can you tell us why I don't like anybody right now, Joe. That, that's
3: the joke of this right now. It's like You like this guy over like that? Guy. I don't know anything right now. Nobody knows all. anything. You know, we're just guessing. So to, to lock into anything now, you can't do it. We're still very, very early in the process, and nobody really has definitive numbers on these guys. till so the combine, then you have pro days. There's a senior bowl going on, East-West Shrine games tonight. There's all these things have to play out. But right now, that's just a gut feel based on people you talk to and how it could play out and a little foresight, trying to think ahead, Joe and Chris. Other than that, I I don't know who Washington's going to take. They just hired their coach. Are you kidding me? They don't have a coordinator. So it's like I I don't have a crystal ball. I'm not a psychic. If I was, maybe I'd have a shot at this right now. But I don't have any of that. haven't had that for 45 years. But I do think, obviously, Jaden has the momentum, dual threat, You know, and everything that's going on in the NFL with how tough these quarterbacks are to deal with. Drake is the the pro style drop back Justin Herbert type. So it gets down to who does the coordinator. What kind of type of offense do you want to structure in here with Dan Quinn now is coming in as the head coach and a defensive guy to be able to to get this team where they can compete with the Dallas Cowboys, which was where Quinn came from. The surprise there is Quinn's last game wasn't one you want to you know celebrate. But the bottom line is he's always been highly respected, and you you get a good coordinator, and then you. You to the quarterback, whoever it is, you know you're going to get a good one. Both these guys should be really good. Uh, I, don't, I don't see bus factor for either one of them. Jaden can do both run and throw. Uh, he's going to keep getting better as he improves in terms of his weight, which went up from 180 to 205. Drake came off a, a, an okay, not a great year, but that was because of some things going on around him. Uh, but he's got all the talent. He's got all the work ethic, passion for the game that you want. So I don't think they can go wrong at number two with any quarterback they take.
1: Mel Kiper Jr. ESPN NFL Draft analyst. All right, let me ask this question, Mel. If you're drafting a quarterback that high period and you're considering your offensive coordinators, what do you think are the most important traits in in coaches right now in developing a high drafted quarterback? Well, developing is the key
3: word, Chris. Are they allowed to develop? And again, or force feed, or make a quick decision and then cut the cord. Uh, developing is kind of gone by the boards now and all, at all levels, really high school, college, and pro. You really can't because if you think you have to develop, the kid says, I'm leaving, I want to go somewhere I can play. So the developing part of it in the NFL is, are you going to be patient enough? Are you going to handle that quarterback properly? Knowing if he, if he should be, you know, brought along a little slower? If we're going to accelerate that a little bit, what's the players around him look like? Can we protect him? A lot of things play into that. Uh, I think in terms of the quarterbacks coming in, you would say Jaden, based on two years at LSU, as a guy who can run around and, and, and avoid and elude defenders, uh, then you probably want to think about getting him out there. Drake, also very athletic. He's not a, he's not going to be a sitting duck in a pocket for anybody. Uh, Caleb certainly won't, because assuming Caleb goes number one between those two, I think you can get away with that. are not going to just go stand back there and get hit time after time. Bryce Young got hit time after time and somehow survived. Will Levis got hit time after time and then ended up being hurt at the end of the year. So it's interesting how quarterbacks finish out the rookie season. Some are beat up mentally. Some are beat up mentally and physically. You hope that you can come away with a quarterback that isn't in either case, beat up both mentally or physically, and in this case with Washington and New England at three, who we'll be talking about a lot, who will be taking a quarterback. Hopefully that's not the case.
2: We've been talking a lot about the Dallas Cowboys this week. Dak Prescott, at the moment, if there's not going to be a new deal, $59.5 million cap hit this season. If the team lets him go into the final year of this without re-signing him, he could hit free agency after the year. They can't use the franchise tag on him. He could be gone. Is it possible the Cowboys are targeting his replacement in this upcoming draft? You know, that's
3: interesting, Joe. I think you got to look at, at Dallas and say, okay, the offensive line, do we look at a left tackle? That's the strength of this draft. There's going to be eight maybe in the first round. You could be looking at a Jordan Morgan from Arizona at that point. Uh, so again, do, do they want to help the team? Do they want to look at a quarterback? I don't think you do that. I think you go for it with Dak. Dak's still a young quarterback in this league. He's not 38, 40 years of age. Quarterbacks play till they're 40 now uh, and play very well up until they're 35 to 40. So I think Dak's the right guy for the job. This is obviously a year where for you think about where we are right now with Mike McCarthy. And we're with one more year where he's done well, but he hasn't finished the job. And they haven't done that for a long, long time in Dallas. So I think the the, people say, well, bring in Belichick. Well, he stuck with McCarthy. So, again, you think about where this team is after this year, then it could be a totally different story. But for this year, I think the Dallas Cowboys will be one of the favorites. They will be a team everybody's looking at to move forward and get to a Super Bowl. And if they're going to a Dak, Dak's got to be the guy. And let's face it, uh, this offensive line's got to be a little bit better at that left tackle spot, and that's where Jordan Oregon could come into play, the kid from Arizona.
1: All right, Mel, last one. Right now, how many quarterbacks would you anticipate going in round one?
3: I think four. I think it's going to be four, no more than that right now because we have the big three and then one other. And then based on what we've seen at the senior bowl, Bo Nix and Michael Penix Jr. haven't lit it up. So And they had concerns with Penix anyway with the four injuries and the struggle, and obviously in the final championship game. Bo Nix did great at Oregon, but he then had the big-time arm. we seen some throws at in, in Mobile that uh, where it came up a little short, didn't show the, the ability to make those kind of throws in the NFL on a consistent basis. So we'll see about where they are at the end of this whole thing. The game obviously is important. A lot of people I've spoken to over the last 45 years believe the game the senior how do you play in the game let's not just leave mobile and go home how, do, how does the game play out will be important for those two quarterbacks I think when you look at the quarterbacks in general there's day three guys like Michael Pratt from Tulane Spencer Rattler South Carolina Carter Bradley South Alabama that could be maybe taken there but I think in terms of the fourth quarterback I believe right now guys to answer your question it's J.J. McCarthy from Michigan
1: Mel great stuff as usual you were a little aggressive with Joe I'm not gonna lie Got up in his mug right there he, when he said, "Listen, you know, they just hired a coach." Now Joe knows
3: what I'm talking about here. Joe knows if I say to him, "Joe, give me uh, three pumpkin pie picks," I'm not going to. He's not going to do that. It's, it's yeah. just one, right? When and you ask me to define and lock in, here we are with February 1st when something's going to happen in late April. I can't do that.
2: And to be fair, I went on Mel's uh Saturday morning radio show. I think I gave out 10 picks and I swung and missed on like 8. So Mel has every reason to come on this show and probably try to smack me around a little that bit. That wasn't today. the
3: case, Joe. You no, know, you were
2: spectacular
3: <laughs> all year. Everybody has. And the Raven game was the hiccup. It's uh, all in one game. Ravens. And, hey, you oh, and me yeah. both, Joe. We yeah. went with we, uh hey, I can't I'm not I'm going to say save it all for Saturday. Yeah, we'll, we'll <laughs> Listen listen <laughs> yeah on Saturday. We'll Darian Mel from 10 to 1 Eastern. I will have a lot to say, guys.
1: <laughs> there it is. Darian Mel on Saturday 12, uh, 10 to 1 Eastern on ESPN Radio. And of course, ESPN's draft guru, Mel Kuiper Jr. Thank you, brother. We'll talk Always next week. Always a pleasure, Thanks, gentlemen. Mel. Thanks, buddy. The, the great Mel in just moments has game time already turned to panic time in Milwaukee. That's after Joe Tells us about Vivid Seats.
2: Catch all your favorite sports live with our friends at Vivid Seats, even the big game. Vivid Seats giving away two free tickets to the big game now through February 4th. Enter to win today by downloading the Vivid Seats app or visit gamecenter.vividseats.com slash T and C for details, experience the biggest event in sports live from Las Vegas thanks to Vivid Seats. Vivid Seats, the official ticketing partner of ESPN.
0: This is the Carlin versus Joe podcast on ESPN Radio. Damian Lillard the other direction now for the Bucs. Throws on the Jets, goes past Eaton, glides in, and lays it in with a right hand off the window. And Dame
1: gets the first points of the night on the board. A part of what made it interesting for Dame going back to Portland for the first time was because he was loyal to the soil, and he stayed there probably longer than he should
4: have. More than anything, it was just kind of draining. Everything around it and what it was. I ain't going to say I'm happy that it's over. I really enjoyed being back, but just the whole spectacle of it is just a little bit draining.
1: And listen, at the very least, he did what he needed to do to go over 24-and-a-half.
2: Yeah. <laughs> we did get there. I had to struggle to get there. Barely. <laughs> he got enough shots. I mean, the yeah. shots were not the problem. The opportunity was not the problem.
1: I mean, I don't know that I would call 25 points on 23 shots efficient. No. That's just me. I don't know. Never played the game professionally. Carlin versus Joe, ESPN Radio, Sirius XM Channel 80. Is the bigger issue, though, at this point, that the Milwaukee Bucks went to Portland and lost to the 14-33 and 33 Trailblazers? Holy crap. And listen, I get it. Doc just got there. There's an adjustment period, right? But
2: at the same time, you got to be better than this, don't you? You don't need a coach to win this game. Okay. It doesn't matter if it was Griffin, the previous coach, or if it's if it's Rivers now. You you don't need a coach if you're the Milwaukee Bucks to win this game. The well, Blazers if you've asked the Bucks,
1: it didn't matter who the coach was for them to win all the games prior to firing right, right. Adrian Griffin.
2: Clearly yeah. did not matter, but you do not need a head coach to win that game. You should roll the ball out on the court and your elite roster should be able to handle the Portland Trailblazers. You were an eleven point favorite in that game and you lost outright outright and I knew we were going to start with this and I think that's where most people are focusing real quick aside bravo to the Portland Trailblazers for doing that last night Lillard's coming back the whole summer was about Lillard Lillard wanted out Lillard wanted to be traded you know he's your guy he's been the franchise he's the most popular guy in the city he's leaving you know dark times are coming when he's gone you know it He's gone. He lands in Milwaukee. You know he's going to chase a ring there. And you're left with a rebuild. And he's coming back, and it's all about him, as it should be. And you stand up, and you applaud him, and then you beat him. And I love that. And that's no knock on Lillard. I think Lillard's a phenomenal player. I'm a huge fan of how he does his handles his business. But I love the fact that the Portland Trailblazers stood up and handed that team that L last night. That's a hell of a performance from Portland. Oh, that
1: that is the night of the year for Portland. Yes, like that, that made that hell town's yes. season. Absolutely, because there's not other highlights to really cling on to other than some of their younger players maybe developing. No, we got Dame when he came back.
2: Boom. Yeah, but to your but to your point though, problematic, right? Like yeah. Rivers takes over, you go to Denver, you lose that game. That's no big deal. It's the Nuggets. It's understandable. Defending champ, two time MVP, we get all that. You lose to Portland now. Gonna have to figure this thing out, especially on the defensive end. Shouldn't well, be giving up 119 to the Blazers.
1: But here's all right, I'm glad you brought that up for a second. Why are we all blown away by the fact that their defense has suffered when they brought Dame over? Like, that's a trade off. Dame is not a good defensive player, and it's going to take a hit. He's a much, much better offensive player. Should be a perfect complement to what Giannis does. The defense was always going to take a hit, but listen to Dame here. This is Dame with Malika Andrews. Did a sit down with her uh, talking about how difficult this season has been so far. I
4: thought the transition would be a little bit more smooth. Why? How I play compliments the team really well, especially playing alongside Giannis. Like, how he plays, I know it it compliments him well, but I think it's just been an adjustment. He's used to playing a certain way, I'm used to playing a certain way. When you consider all of those things, it's just a little bit more difficult than you would expect. We're a championship team, there's no denying it. Nobody has ever won a championship in January, February, or March.
1: Okay, I'm not pulling the ripcord here yet. No, 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 no. Yeah. I'm not pulling the ripcord here yet. But when Dame talks about that, did you really expect it to walk in and be perfect? Is that a fair expectation? No, it's not. But now you have thrown in another wild card into the mix of Doc and how everybody's going to respond to him, Joe. And I, I wonder if they have, in the midst of making this decision and doing it in the middle of the season, where some of us might think, well, it's smarter to do it sooner rather than later. Now you have to account for that adjustment period. And is there going to be enough time, frankly, to do something significant this year?
2: I think they have enough time. I think this is the, the recency bias effect that we talk about. I think this speaks to our lack of patience as a society with where we are now because it's instant, instant gratification with everything. We spend all summer talking about Key players in the NBA because the summer, like right after the NBA finals as we're leading into football, there tends to be a lot of the, it'd be the hot stove in baseball, but whatever they call it in the NBA, right? And Lillard was the focal point of that. Lillard to Miami, Lillard to Miami, and then boom, surprise, he's in Milwaukee. He's with Giannis. Here we go, the next big thing. So we expect instant results. They're still winning games. They just aren't as efficient, aren't as impressive. They went from fourth in defensive efficiency last year to 19th this year. That's a problem. But give it time. They're still winning games. When you hear him talking like this, the players talking like this, they fire their coach, they're second in the Eastern Conference behind Boston. They're identifying the problems they have, yet they're still winning and playing at a relatively high level. What does it look like if they get it right? It could be very scary. It's just going to take some time. I mean, we saw it with the Lakers last year. They were a mess. They go into the trade deadline. They revamp the roster. They take some time. And before you know it, at the end of the season, Lakers were a much different team, a much better team. Yeah, yeah. And
1: listen, they got into the play-in. That's all that mattered for them. And they got into a run up until the fact that they hit a brick wall with Denver. Now, as far as Milwaukee's concerned, they have to figure out where the defense is going to be able to adjust with Dame's presence. Like, that's what they haven't figured out yet. Because if you weren't counting on it happening – With Dame coming in and Drew Holiday going out, I don't know what you were expecting. Like that that to me just strikes me as an obvious thing that you should have been paying attention to. So now it's, okay, how are we going to adjust to that on the defensive end when we have to come up with stops? How, In other words, how are we going
2: to hide Dame? Can we hide Dame? Trade deadline one week from today. They're one of the most fascinating teams to watch. Are they going to be able to make a move that can help some of this? Or are they going to stand pat and hope they can fix it in-house? Remember something. 50 teams have played for the championship over the last 25 years. 25 years plus two teams times two teams in the finals each year equals 50. 40 of those 50 teams finished the season in the top 10 in defensive efficiency. Offense in today's NBA is your floor. What can you do defensively? I tell you, the guy that I would love to see. Bruce Brown. Old Bruce Brown? Not Drew Holiday?
1: I mean, well, Drew Holiday would help, but <laughs> I think Bruce Brown would help a little bit too. And there are going to be a lot of teams lining up here in the next week to try to get Bruce Brown on it, for sure.
0: This is the Carlin versus Joe podcast on ESPN Radio.